sometimes when you sing a less than familiar hymn, your voice doesn't sound all that great. I guess I proved the point by picking that one, right? <laughs> Isn't it amazing, however, how your voice sounds in the shower? Yeah, whether you're singing arias or hip-hop or rapping or yodeling, that's more in our tradition, I suppose. It all resonates with power and pizzazz so long as you're in that shower stall. The problem for most of us, the problem is our voices have a distinctly diminished quality outside of the confines of the bathroom. Formerly full tones fall flat. We waver off key. A crooning vibrato becomes a creaky quiver and shake. Without the echoing cocoon of the shower and the forgiving background choir of water white noise, the real sound of our voice comes through all too clearly. Do you remember, maybe it was when you were a kid, probably, the first time that you used a tape recorder, I'm showing my age, and heard your own voice. If you're younger, then it was on the computer or a phone or, or whatever. I remember how shocking this was and how unrecognizable I sounded. I don't sound like that, you screech in embarrassment. And we don't. The voice that we speak with echoes and resonates through our bones and our sinus passages, our skull, allowing us to hear ourselves in a way that no one else ever will. And that's the voice we know best. It's our internal voice, which others hear differently yet still heard only by us in that individually familiar tone. Pentecost is the day on which the disciples finally found their voice, and yet it wasn't their voice, their own voice anyway, that they found. It wasn't their own voice that they heard. You think the ethnically diverse crowd was stunned to hear the disciples speak in their own native tongue? I'm sure they were. But that was nothing, I'm supposed, to the shock the disciples must have felt to hear such unfamiliar sounds, even foreign languages, pouring forth from their own mouths. In fact, the first interpretation of the many-tongued sounds uttered by the disciples doesn't even come from them, nor does it come from their new leader, Peter. Rather, it comes from the multinational crowd themselves. It's those Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and all the rest of the Roman provincial list that we were treated to this morning in the epistle. They were the ones who first understood what was going on, and the significance of what was being proclaimed, God's deeds of power. What sounded strange and foreign to the disciples' own ears made perfect sense to those representatives of the world out there, 
The Holy Spirit's first appearance brought an intelligible word to the rest of the world through these new voices of the disciples. There has never been an age when people have been able to communicate so continually with others as we can. Have you noticed how much we're already becoming cyborgs? In Australia, Sanyo is marketing a bone phone, mobile phone, that transmits the sound through the skull directly into the ear. The cell phone glued to everyone's ears these days, it seems, makes it possible to talk at any time to anyone from anywhere, as long as there's a cell tower in the vicinity. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Do you remember the cell phone company advertisement that featured the intrepid Verizon employee trekking all over the countryside, repeating every few steps, can you hear me now? Pentecost was God's way of saying to the entire world, can you hear me now? Pentecost was God's way of saying to the whole world, I know you're hearing a lot of other sounds out there, but can you hear me now? We love the sound of our own voice. Partly it's our native narcissism, our self-focus. We've all met the entirely self-focused individual. A wonderful old New Yorker cartoon captures the feeling A man at a cocktail party says to a bored-looking woman, now let's talk about you. Tell me, what do you think about me? (laughs) It's not, though, just our native narcissism. People become more self-focused when they are in desperate need. Writing for New York Magazine, Melissa Dahl quoted an article, you're kind of self-centered when you're nervous. And in that article, she wrote, she humorously observes, nerves have a way of making you fold into yourself, obsessing over each awkward thing you've said or done in front of someone you're trying to impress. You're chatting away, but you're also very much focused on you, trying to figure out the impression you're leaving. Meanwhile, you've missed the last five minutes of the conversation, which makes it highly likely that the impression you're leaving is that you're kind of a jerk. She goes on to quote, when you get anxious, it narrows your attention. That is, you can't focus adequately on anything external to yourself. You feel like you've got to go back inside yourself and figure things out. Do they really like me? Am I really a good person? As long as we continue pretty much on a daily basis to obsess about all things personal, happiness, contentment, and a stable sense of well-being, that will be impossible for us to achieve. Do they really like me? Am I really a good person? That takes second place to whether or not God likes me. Newsflash, he not only likes you. Well, he doesn't always like you. I have to correct that. He what? loves you, and that's what matters. Am I really a good person? God says, no, 
I don't care when it comes to saving you. That's for Jesus Christ's sake, not yours. Nevertheless, we all love to hear the sound of our own voice. Underlying it may well be the fact that the world needs to hear the voice of its Savior. They need to hear the only message that can cut through this self-focused anxiousness that's so much a part of who we are. The message that God truly does love them. Not because they are lovable, but because he, God, is love. That fact is the only thing that can spare us from all of the self-imposed endless treadmill of trying to be lovable to the rest of humankind afflicted with the same malady. The cross cuts through all of that. Grace slices the ropes and breaks the chains. We have seen the new life that is ours through and in the resurrection. Others want that too. They long for it too. And at Pentecost, God the Holy Spirit gives us a voice to tell them about it. Do we really know what our voice sounds like to the rest of the world? Do we really understand what we're saying? What our words and actions are proclaiming to the rest of the world? Pentecost is God's way of awakening us to the sound of God's voice, the voice of truth beauty, goodness, and love in his word. It is God's way of saying to us and through us to the world, like the Verizon employee in that old ad, can you hear me now? Is there anyone here this morning that knows the name of Paris Hilton's dog for whom she built a $325,000 dog house? Probably not, that's okay. The name, by the way, is Tinkerbell. <laughs> Maybe you know Tina Turner's greatest hits. I won't ask, though, if there's anyone here this morning who knows the name of the three Hebrew children who were thrown into the fiery furnace by King Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Things are a little bit better in these four walls than outside them. But which are people out there more likely to know? Can you hear me now, God asks. To do so, you need to be more familiar with my word than with the celebrity gossip websites. We've learned how to hear a lot of other, even bad voices. The world needs more than ever the voice of God coming through like a mighty rushing wind to kindle the fire of love in the hearts of those whom God has loved enough to send his son to die and rise for. What would the resurrection have mattered to history had the women been content to sit there outside the empty tomb and reflect among themselves what had just happened? What comfort could have been offered Jesus' grieving comrades and friends had they stayed there where they were and celebrated the resurrection privately? Had they just sat there, it would have done no, it would have done no good at all, at least as far as we are concerned. 
the world needs to hear. And how will they hear? The voice of God is in the word. Men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God, Peter tells us in the second epistle. <clears throat> but Pentecost also tells us that that word has been put into your mouths. A four-year-old boy had a baby sister. A friendly postman asked him one day if his sister could talk yet. The little boy said, no, she has her teeth, but her words haven't come in yet. <laughs> when it comes to witnessing, lots of Christians might have cut their teeth, but haven't discovered their words yet, even though the Spirit has put them there. There's a TV commercial which shows a Mercedes-Benz colliding with a cement wall during a safety test. And someone then asks the company spokesman why they do not enforce their patent on the Mercedes-Benz's energy-absorbing car body, a design evidently copied by other companies because of its success. And the spokesman replies matter-of-factly, because some things in life are too important not to share. At the top of that list, is the life-changing, soul-saving good news of Jesus Christ. We earn the right to speak about our faith by demonstrating three vital characteristics, reverence, integrity, and concern. Reverence, if someone hears you using God's name flippantly, that person loses any interest in your serious use of that name. Integrity, if your honesty is suspect or if you participate in shady business deals, then nobody will be interested in your spiritual witness. Concern, if people sense that your life is too much tilted toward your natural narcissism, they will lose interest in what you have to say. On the other hand, if you know that every other person is one for whom Jesus Christ died, a potential sister or brother, then that knowledge will create a concern within you for that person. And such a concern is transparent. Other people see it. They get it. It causes you to listen well to others, and then they almost beg you to speak. Write down this week the name of at least one person who, to the best of your knowledge, is unchurched, someone who does not have a meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. I won't ask you to hand in that name in the offering. It's between you and God. I will ask you to do three things in regard to those persons. First, pray for them regularly. Secondly, Invite them to church next Sunday. Third, if a natural opportunity arises in the course of conversation to say a brief word about your faith or Jesus Christ, that you will do that. The Holy Spirit is there to help you, just as he was there for those first disciples gathered together. Pentecost is all about the power to do just that. God the Spirit 
puts the words to say in the disciples' mouths, and he will do just the same for you if you let him. If you don't believe it, just try it and see. Amen. And may the peace of God which passes understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.